Christmas reflections. You ever take a minute and reflect on something that's happened, right? Like sometimes things happen and we just get so busy. I always feel like Christmas is one of those times. It's like most of us wait till the day after Thanksgiving, but still, let's say you, you waited till after Thanksgiving. From the day after Thanksgiving until Christmas is typically a month, right? Approximately 30 days, depending on when Thanksgiving falls. And I feel like for 30 days, right, we're like decorating the house. For 30 days, we're thinking about what we were going to get for the kids or for our neighbors or for the mailman. For 30 days, you're, you're planning a food menu. You're maybe picking up some food. Am I the only one that picked up way too much food for your gathering? I must be the only one, but we got way too much food. I, like, had stuff in the freezer that I started to pull out. My husband's just shaking his head, like, are you crazy? Like, no, put that, we'll save that for New Year's Eve, you know? But we do this, and then all of a sudden we have this day, and then the next day it's all done, you know? I told my husband last night, I'm like, take the tree down. He was like, you want me to take the tree down tonight? <laughs> it's been up, you know? It's been up for almost 30 days, and I'm like, take the tree down, and we're going to be out of town. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to deal with it when I come home. And we didn't. Our tree is still up. He just, yeah, yeah. And then he went on with the day and we never took the tree down. So I'll deal with it when I come back. We're going to go up and uh, see my brother tonight. So, but I think about how we never pause for a moment and reflect on what just happened. What are we thankful for? So let's, let's go back. I know we should be done with this, but we're not. Let's look here in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Now, you will not see the slides up because I told Jesse I was not doing any Bible scriptures. Now, I told her that so she would just relax and enjoy Christmas Eve and Christmas. And so I did. So you guys are fine, right? You can write them down, look it up later if you don't believe me that this is what it says. But I just... Every once in a while, we can have a couple days off, can't we? We can. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. It's really cool. You can actually look back in different Roman governments and see when this took place. Isn't that cool? This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own towns to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. 
and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So that's what we celebrated yesterday, was the birth of Jesus. And and over this last month, we've taken the time to talk about how the prophets, you know, up to 400 years before Christ was born, had been prophesying about this Messiah coming. And all the different prophecies that were fulfilled through that. And it was interesting the other day, we were driving around with the kids, and they're talking about how in school, you know, the the Bible is, is... in class is just with one of the myths, right? And so we began talking about how there's like over 30,000 different, you know, um, documents of just the Old Testament alone and how some of the other myths that are portrayed, you know, with the Iliad, there's like 11 copies, right, of antiquity and how, how so much has been preserved and been protected around the story of Christ coming and our understanding of what happened and how it's not even the Christian people that have the documents that can prove it, but it is, you know, again, different things with the Roman government that we can look at or things with the Jewish people. And so we look back at these recollections that we can see now and it can translate into our language, and we understand it and we get it. And we understand, you know, like in our family, we had a little dessert, and we sing happy birthday to Jesus. But do we really, really get what we celebrated? Do we really understand? And I think for some of us, it's hard because the shepherds retold the story, and they rejoiced, and it was easy for them to do that because nobody had heard it before. So it was something new. People wanted this knowledge. They, you know, they didn't have an iPad at home to keep them preoccupied or Netflix. And no, it was like, oh my gosh, the shepherds are in town and they have this story to tell. Everybody rushed out of their homes to hear, right? Now it's like, well, Mary, if I try to get up, you know, in my living room and tell the story of Christ, everyone's going to be like, stop preaching at us, right? Like, I've heard it before. We already know that. Turn on Christmas with the cranks, you know? Like, we want to watch a movie. We want to be entertained. And so we have to sometimes go back and say, all right, I know. And as I reflect and as I rejoice and I think about that message that the shepherds told How do I rejoice? So we're going to skip ahead here to a letter that Paul wrote to the people that were living in Philippi. We see it here in Philippians chapter 4, where he says to them, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now we just saw that the shepherds were rejoicing and telling the stories, right? And we see a letter from Paul to new Christians, and he's telling them to rejoice. But how? How do we as Christian people rejoice? 
maybe I don't have anything to be joyful about. Maybe I know the story, but that doesn't affect me today, or so I think, right? And, I, and maybe I'm having a bad day. Well, he actually continues. I love how he gives a little explanation as to how they should do this. So we're going to s- stop here in Philippians chapter 4 for a minute. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Oh, I like that one. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Could you imagine being known as, oh, you're a gentle person? Most of us aren't known for being gentle, are we? <laughs> I'm, I don't think I am, but I'm like, he's like, let, let, you know, if something's going to be evident to the people around you, what you're going to be known for, let it be gentleness. So part of rejoicing is me physically being gentle to the people around me. Paul, come on. He was not known for being gentle. Like, seriously, practice what you preach, Paul. I mean, really, right? But he's saying this is what, I, what you need to do, right? As a Christian whose commands from Jesus were to love, love your neighbors, you love yourself, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, be known, let it be evident that you're gentle. All right. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. It's hard to be gentle when you're anxious, isn't it? Yeah, I think anxiety comes out a lot of times as anger. It comes off as maybe being standoffish. Not always. I mean, some people are anxious and they are very gentle or what people would call meek or mild. But for some people, I think the anger we see coming out of them is, is anxiety. I know for me, it's like, I want things done perfect, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if I were to step back and put a name on it, it's like, well, maybe I'm anxious about the event and I want it done perfect. Right. And it's coming off as being bossy when really it's this anxiety that it's done right. So he's saying, look, you want to, I want you to rejoice. I want your evidence in your life to be gentleness. So do not be anxious about anything. It's like, Paul, really? You want me to be, uh, to be not anxious and to be gentle? Okay, how do I do that? It's easy to say, do not steal, right? I'm just going to keep my hands in my pockets, right? Do not murder. Okay, I'm going to walk away when you make me angry. Do not be anxious. Hello? My brain and mind is trapped in my head. I can't, can't put my hands in my pocket for that one, right? I can't, I can't walk away from that one. Like, those thoughts are still always there. Does he understand that anxiety has to do with your thoughts? Maybe he doesn't. Let's, let's read. Let's find out if he knows. Because I think he needs, like, somebody to go back in time and explain to him how anxiety works, right? Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think? Maybe he does know it's associated with our thoughts. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay. 
So Paul is saying, for us to be able to rejoice, for us to be able to walk in gentleness, we can't be anxious all the time. And for us not to be anxious all the time, we have to do two things. Did you catch those two things? He says, pray and petition with thanksgiving and let your focus be on positive things. Did you see that? I like this part where he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And if you do that, and the God of peace, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds, your mind, in Christ Jesus. I love how he's saying, it won't make sense. You know, I mean, he's writing in Greek, so the transcending of your understanding. We're like, what the heck is he talking about? You won't comprehend it. It won't make sense. But the peace of God will be on you if when some situation shows up and you don't know what to do, you just pray. I love that, and petition. And pray again, and pray again, and pray again, and pray again, and pray again. Because your mind is going to think about it again, and again, and again, and again. Doesn't it? My mind does. You're going to think about it again, and again, and again, and again. So instead of thinking and focusing on the negative, if you can say, I'm just going to keep praying. I'm going to keep giving it to you, God. I'm going to keep giving it to you, God. I'm going to keep giving it to you, God. Well, there you go. Now, you know, for us to get to a point where you can pray and give it to God and then truly trust that takes experience, right? I mean, when, when I first learned how to drive, it took experience before, you know, the neighbor would trust me to borrow their car. When I was 16 years old and first learning how to drive, nobody was going to trust me with their car. Why? Because you don't have the experience. And so if you, the first time you're trusting God with this request, you, you're not sure if you can trust him, Right? Sometimes you can take other people's word for it. Some of us are more um, able to take somebody else's word for it, right? Like if I've never met your cousin, but you tell me, oh, my cousin's a great driver, really responsible person, they can take your daughter and, you know, take her to college. You can trust this person. Now, depending on my relationship with you, I might trust you and say, okay, they wouldn't lie to me. I'll let their cousin who's heading to college, you know, for the semester give my daughter a ride. But if I don't know the person, if I don't trust you, then I might say, you know what, I'm going to just do it myself, right? Now, it's the same thing with God. Some of us, we become saved, and we, we get to know somebody we love, and we can say, look, you can just pray and ask God, and, and we can trust him. And obviously, it depends on the situation. I always tell everybody, have you done your best? You do all that you can in your situation. Do your best, and then, and then trust God with the rest. Right? We talked about that with the roof before. You guys have heard the story, right? When we first got the building, all oh, the building needed help in so many different ways. And we had this person working on this and this person working on that and this and that. But I had this leak over in the bell tower. And my office happened to be up there. So I just, I just had lots of trash cans in there. So when it would rain, it's like I got this trash can for this leak and I got this trash can for this leak. But then it, the leak got so bad it was starting to affect the, the ceiling because there was plaster on the ceiling and the walls in that room. And then it was starting to go down the second floor and affect the counseling room and the walls and the ceiling in that room. And so I, I did my best, right? I called the roofing company in town, had them come tell me what they thought. And, oh, no, you know, we don't do commercial. you got to call this company in Saginaw. So I called the company in Saginaw, and I said, I said, hey, I need you to do fix this. Oh, yep, yep, we can see all the problem. I'll call you back with a quote. 
Well, months go by, right? And we go through another winter and all this rainwater and ice and snow and I'm having all these problems. And now I could have done better. Let's, get me, let's not get me wrong, right? Like I'm not called to be a building maintenance person. But I felt like I've called two places. God, I did my best. Now it's on you. And I prayed. I said, I'm not going to be anxious about this. This building was your idea. Fix the ceiling, right? There literally been times I've prayed about things that I'll come in and see, like, is it done? Like, did an angel show up in the middle of the night and just take care of it, right? I told you all about that one time when I was, had this one light issue I couldn't deal with. And I prayed that night. And I said, it's all on you, God. I can't figure it out. I got here the next morning. I looked. It was still broken. I'm like, dang it, why don't you just send an angel? Like, that would have been awesome. It was funny, though. A few hours later, a man showed up. He said, is your name Mary? Yeah. He goes, well, my wife knows you on Facebook, and she told me you're building a new building. I have today off of work. Can I help you with anything? Oh, yeah, sure. And I had a long list. I didn't even think about the lights. I told him all this other stuff to do, and he did it. That wood you see right there, I had shown him we had some shelves and that was used to be a flower pot, that half wall that goes down by the stairs. And so he took the shelves and he just built, built that wood over top to cover it up. That way we can set coffee on it, set things on it. Anyway, before he left, though, he says, you know that one light over there is broken? I said, oh, yeah, I know that. And he goes, well, I can fix it. I'm like, oh, there you go. So I prayed. An angel didn't show up, but this guy did, just totally unexpected. Took care of a bunch of things on my list, took care of that light. Well, it was the same thing with the roof. I said, God, you got to fix it. A few days later, a roofer just shows up. Hi, my name is so-and-so. You got a problem with your roof? I'm like, yeah, I know. He ended up fixing that entire thing for pennies on the dollar, what they normally would have been charged. He got all those shingles donated. He got the dumpster donated. He got all this stuff donated. And then he came to us and said, hey, you guys need your roof on this side done. I said, yeah. And he goes, well, that'd be like $50,000. I'm like, oh, we don't have that. Well, let me go see what I can do. He got it all the way down to $14,000. He got all the shingles donated. He got the stuff donated. Isn't that God? But that's just how good our God is. But when we pray, when we have anxiety, see, our thoughts usually aren't on how is God going to provide, right? I know he's going to take care of it. I wish I knew how. Let me focus on something else. Instead, our focus is usually on our problems, And it says that with prayer and with petition, with thanksgiving in your heart, present your request to God. When the kids were little, I used to always tell them, before you go to bed, pray the cat eye. We would tease because my daughter Faith believed that she had cat eyes because her eyes were green. And the cat we had at that time had green eyes. And she claimed cats could see in the dark and that she could see in the dark because she had cat eyes. And I said, well, before you go to bed, I want you to pray the cat eye. She's like, what's that? I'm like, well, how do you sell cat? C-A-T. I'm like, all right. When you go to bed at night, why do you, what is the number one reason why you feel like maybe God won't listen to your prayers? Well, because I've been naughty or I did this or that. I said, so just confess it. He already knows what you did anyway. Confess him and ask him to forgive you. So then you'll feel like, okay, now I can come to him because I'm clean. She's like, okay. So C was confess. She just unburdened her heart to God about whatever. No, he forgave you. He, he loves you. A then was ask. Ask him for whatever's on your heart that's bothering you, worrying you. Ask him. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. You have not because you ask not is in the Bible, right? Seek. Knock on those doors. Ask. I said, but you know what T is in the cat eye, right? T is to thank him. 
I said, now you just asked him to help you with something. Now thank him for all the times he's helped you in the past, right? Now when I come to him and say, Lord Jesus, we got an air conditioning unit out here that's broken. And this sanctuary gets stinking hot in the summer. Has everybody been here in the summer? It's hot. Like seriously, you fix the roof. You care about the water damage. Don't you care about our hearts not wanting to explode when we're in a room that feels like it's 90 degrees when it's 85 outside. Like it's always, usually it's 10 degrees warmer in this room than it is outside. Like I'm asking you and I'm thanking you that what you did for the roof, you can do for the air conditioner, right? Just like he did for these tables. Like you provided the tables that we needed. So T was thank him. Now the cat I, it wasn't E-Y-E, it was just the letter I, and obviously it was a play on the sounds, the cat I, and I was a big word for little kids to understand, but I thought it was good, you know, to extend their vocabulary, and I means to intercede, and what that word means is that you're doing something on somebody else's behalf. Somebody's like, you should just call it cat-o, like O for others, like pray for others, and I said, eh, that sounds weird, we did cat I, but... We would, I would be pray for others. You know, if you take a minute and all of a sudden you stop thinking about what you've got going on in your life and your problems and you intercede for others, and now I'm taking a minute to say, you know, Lord, be with so-and-so, the grandma's in hospice. Be with this person who just lost their job. Be with this kid on the playground who just broke his leg. All of a sudden, our focus and our thoughts before we go to bed isn't all about what our problem was, but it's now thinking about, boy, you know, there's other people struggling too. It's not just me. I'm not just alone in my issues. So I love this, how he says to pray, but to be thankful. Take the, that moment to say, what can I be thankful for? How has God interceded in my life in the past? But he ends it with, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. Have you ever asked yourself that about a thought? A lot of people come in my office and be like, I just keep thinking that such and such is you know, said this, or such, this happened, or, or this is going to, and I'm like, is that true? Or is that just a thought? I mean, how many times do we spend time worrying about something that isn't even true? Is that even true? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's weird that he's telling us we can control our thoughts. I mean, can we? I mean, sometimes, sometimes we literally can't, right? And then we talk to people about how you can, you know, just like you can say, okay, am I, I'm not producing insulin and I need to go to a doctor and, and get some insulin in my body like because I physically can't produce insulin. Sometimes our brain, we, we can't control our thoughts and that's when you would go to a, a doctor that specializes in your brain and your thoughts, right? And sometimes for us, it's, it's right, it's the depression medication or it's a, it's a mood stabilizer, it's a behavioral thing. Sometimes it, physically you can't, but if you are in a place where you've checked out the medical, right, and you now know that you should be able to control your thoughts, it's time for us to start taking back some of that control and saying, I'm not going to lay here and think about this anymore. If it's not true, if it's not noble, if it's not right, if it's not lovely, I need to think about something else. 
And some of us, we have to, like, train our brain, right? They call it stinking thinking to recognize, like, what I'm thinking about is not good. And so what, how can I change the perspective of what I'm thinking about? I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, he, he never told us in here, like, every day you should drink a glass of water. Why? Because people got up and did that. They didn't need to be told to do that. But he says, you need to stop thinking about things that cause anxiety. And so he tells us that because he knows it's difficult. He knows it's not easy. He knows that part of it will be going to God with our problems and thinking and thankfulness and what is good and what is lovely, thinking about what's, what's positive that has happened. And he says that if you do these things, then the God of peace will be with you. See, we want God's peace on us. I love how Jesus said, he says, my peace I leave you, not as the world leaves you. My peace I give you. He made it very clear. He's saying there's a peace you get being here in the world. I mean, most of us have maybe experienced that, right? Whether it's through alcohol or drugs or escapism, fantasy. I mean, nowadays I can say video games. I can say, you know, the internet, um, you know, pornography, Netflix. Like, well, Mary, why are you saying, are these things all bad? You know, I mean, other than maybe the pornography, like I can, that's a whole other discussion about what that literally does in men's brains or women's brains and changes your perspective on your sex life. But as far as like internet, right, or Netflix, or video games. No, you know, in moderation, same thing with alcohol, right? Jesus turned the water into wine at a wedding. But some of us, it's all or nothing, right? For some of us, it becomes an addiction. That's where the problem is. That's when all of a sudden it's like, I'm looking for peace. My day was hard, so I'm turning to the bottle tonight. Right? Or, I, 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 my day was hard. I don't want to think about what I, the decisions I have to make. So I'm going to do this instead. I'm going to escape in these different areas. And so Jesus said, I don't give you peace like the world gives you peace. The world gives you peace by, let's cover it up for a while and you'll deal with it later. That's the world's solution. But Jesus' peace is something different. He wants us to be able to say, hey, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to do my best if an opportunity arises for me to handle this. But in the meantime, I'm trusting that you, Father God, are going to intercede in this situation. And my peace is knowing that Jesus has it handled. And you have experienced moments of that peace. Don't tell me you haven't. There has been moments in your life where maybe you were out of town for a week and you said to your neighbor, hey, can you come over, bring my mail in, and feed my cat? Right? Now, depending on who the person is, you maybe had complete trust in that person and you totally had peace. You didn't really think about it. I mean, you weren't like waking up in the middle of the night saying, did my neighbor come by? You were like, no, I trust that person. They're taking care of it. You had peace about that situation because somebody you trusted was taking care of it for you. And that's the simplicity of asking God, of going to him in prayer and trusting in him. Right? And I, I've told God before, make it very clear and abundant if, you know, I need to also intervene in some way, right? You know, because, like, sometimes it's like, okay, God's going to do this, but then I have to respond to what he's done. When the guy came to me about the roof, I had to respond, right, and come up with the, the money to take care of it, to, to talk to the people to make sure the building was ready. 
So sometimes God intervenes. doesn't mean you don't do anything, but it just means you need to be ready. He'll show you how to respond. So here we are. Are we being thankful, right? Are we changing our thoughts? If we want to be able to rejoice in our lives, we want to have joy in our life, we want to be able to have peace in our life. When we do thank God for all that he has done, we end up praising him. When I tell you the story of how good God is and how these tables were donated, I'm praising him. I'm singing their praises. We do this with people all the time, right? When, when the news media talks about, you know, what one of these big CEOs or the president, you know, Mr. Biden has done, they're singing praises, right? They call it, they're praising him. They're praising his efforts. And when we are focused on our thankfulness, what we're thankful for, we're praising God. We are rejoicing in what he has done for us. Like if somebody came over to my house to eat, I could sit there and tell them all the problems I have right now. And I could let that be my focus. Or I could sing God some praises and say, hey, did you just hear about this? Did you just hear about how God did this? One of the things my husband did last night was he got on Facebook and he sang some praises. Now I know he's singing praises to God. He said, hey, 18 years ago today I met my wife. So Todd and I met on Christmas Day 18 years ago, and the day after Christmas, we went out on our first date. He took me to the mall. We were talking about, oh, the day after Christmas, there's sales. So we went to the mall. We went to the movies. And so every day on Christmas, we not only celebrate the birth of our Savior, but we celebrate the fact that we got to meet each other. And so we're singing praises. Now, he didn't go on Facebook and say, 18 years I've been with this woman, you know how many times she's yelled at me? Do you know how many times she's made me really mad? Do you know how many times I just wanted to not come home at night? And I'm sure there's been a few, right? If you've ever been in a relationship with somebody for 18 years, you know that it's not all good. There's going to be moments where it's not good. But that wasn't his focus. This morning, before, you know, most of the time he's sitting here, his father's um, not doing well. He lives up in Traverse City area, so he left to go up there to go visit with him today. But, you know, his focus wasn't on all the negative. And that's how we train our brain, to change our thoughts, to change our focus. If we look here in Luke chapter 17, verse 11... We see these men. Now, they had leprosy. It's hard for us to comprehend leprosy because we live in a day and age now where people that do get leprosy are able to be treated. Um, The only thing I can kind of equate it to is how people felt about AIDS maybe in the late 80s. And for a while, there was a lot of misinformation and And people were afraid to even touch somebody with AIDS, right? Because they were trying to figure out how is it. Right. So in the early 90s, late 80s, people had all this fear. And lepers, in Jesus' time, there was a lot of fear around them. Because if you would touch somebody with leprosy and that could get on your skin, you could get leprosy as well. So lepers were kind of outcasts out of the village limits. They would have certain camps where they would be. And they weren't allowed to be around anybody. 
And they did have a policy in place that if for some reason, let's say you got just touched and you had a little tiny sore right there and you had to go out there, but you kept it clean, you did whatever, and there was some miracle and it got cleaned up, you could go back to the chief priests and they would check over your body. And if they didn't see any more leprosy, then you would be allowed back into the city limits, into the village that you lived in. And so we see here in Luke chapter 17 that there's a group of 10 lepers. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men with leprosy met him. So they would have been outside the village. They would have heard of this man coming by that had power from on high from God. So they met him. And they stood at a distance. Why? Because they weren't allowed to get close to people. But they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, we'd be like, well, what is that supposed to mean? Are they asking for food? He knew what they meant. Right? He knew exactly what they meant. His ministry was known for healing. So he simply said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. Now, the only reason why they would go back into the village and go see a priest is if they were totally clean. And at that moment, they weren't. But they listened to him. He didn't touch them. He didn't say, I want a healing and you are healed. He just, they said, have mercy. And he said, go show yourself the priest. So they had to have faith. They had to have faith that they were going to go do what he said, even though they didn't have evidence of being clean in that moment. It says, as they went, they were cleansed. See, that's hard to have that kind of faith. We pray and we don't want to move forward until we see the answer to our prayer right in front of us. That's called faith to be like a leper, to say, I'm going to start going to the priest to show him I'm clean, even though I'm still covered in this. Because I believe in the power of what that man just said. So as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. So 10 men were healed, but only one thought, I'm going to go back to the source and say thank you. See, a lot of times when we pray, or I'll have people call me, and and they'll, they'll say, Mary, pray about this situation. I'll pray with them. I'll see them a month later, and I'll be like, so what's happened? Oh, well, this kind of worked out, and it ended up not being that big of a deal. You know, I'm sorry for that I bothered you. And I'm thinking, do you not think that maybe God let that work out so it wouldn't be such a big deal? But we, like, justify things in our head. We say, well, that was just a coincidence that that happened. Well, why did you ask for prayer then? You knew that it wasn't going to just happen. You wanted somebody else to intercede on your behalf, and then it happened. And now you're not thanking him? I have other people that they'll call me and say, pray for this. And then, like, literally the next day, oh, my gosh, you wouldn't believe what just happened. And this all worked out. Thank you for praying. Thank you, God, for interceding in this behalf. Now, all 10 were healed. They couldn't deny it. That was a miracle, especially in that day and age. They didn't have antibiotic creams. They didn't have hospitals. They literally were going to spend the rest of their lives outside of the city limits. But only one went back to the source and said, thank you. What's interesting is he said, Jesus said, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith 
has made you well. What's interesting is the original part there where it says they were healed. It's a different word than made well. The Greek of that made well means he said, now you've been made whole. See, you can have a physical healing and just tell me, well, God, you know, just I was going to get healed anyway. But you can be made whole or made well, and that tells me that your soul has believed and understood what God just did for you, and now you can rejoice. Now you're singing his praises. See, that thought, the anxiety, that's a soul issue. What happened to their bodies was a physical body issue. And we want to be made well. I want to be made well. I want to be able to think clearly. I want to be able to sleep well at night with God's peace. So that way I can rest in my soul. And know when problems come, yeah, problems are going to come. And guess what? They're going to come. Tomorrow there's going to be problems. Next week, there's going to be problems because you live here on earth. I was just saying that during the worship. There's evil all around us. Bad things are going to happen. So I have John 10.10 up there. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. There is an enemy, and he's trying to come to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come so that they can have life and have it to the full. We want that fullness. We need to not only ask for that healing, but then thank him when we receive it. Acknowledge that his hand is upon us. Let me pray for all of you. Father God, as we reflect back on Christmas and see that the shepherds rejoiced and the shepherds went and told the story of the angels coming and the signs, help us to live a life like the shepherds did, where we can share the stories. And maybe it's not the stories of, of Jesus and salvation, depending on the group. Maybe it's the stories of God is still alive and well and intervening in my life today. Maybe it's the story like Todd and I had to tell where we got a call and said that his dad wasn't going to make it through the day. And, and the kids, they, they said, we want to pray for Grandpa. And they both prayed for a miracle. And by the time my husband got there to see him, he was doing so much better. And he was able to talk and sit up and, and visit with them and, and be able to eat. You are intervening in our lives, and we want to praise you for that. We want to thank you for that. But we have to be able to change this thought process in our head because so much of our society has programmed us into worrying instead of wondering, into anxiety rather than thankfulness. Help us, Father God, and navigate what chemically might need to be done first, but then after we've taken care of that, that you help us with the, the habits that our brain has gone into. Help us to change our thinking so our focus will be on the positive. Help us, Father God. We can't do it on our own. If we could, we would have done it by now because none of us likes being anxious. None of us likes worrying. We need your help, so help us. Reveal to us how we can shift our thoughts. We are trusting you and asking you for your help. We are thanking you for all the times you have intervened in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week. The Blessing Shop is open. There's lots of coats and blankets out. If you need any of them, please uh, help yourself. Thank you. God bless.